Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A. On Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Now brought to you by Digitex. Digitex Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. You can keep in touch on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. That's also the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Get the new floors you've always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, open Monday to Saturday. You know we're on Twitter. The show is at Oilers Now. Bob at Bob underscore Stoffer. Myself at Brendan Escott. That's Brendan with an E. And Cody Jansen, Janner31 underscore. Uh, we're going to do Champions Week replay here with Steve Smith, but there are a couple of texts I want to get to on uh, 780-496-0063. JD780 says that Kyler would get $3 million per season in arbitration. I don't think he has arbitration rights this year, so that's, no. yeah, so that's not a... The player doesn't have the advantage in this sense. Um... Rick in the Park says uh, he's thinking that Yamamoto may have been playing hurt. Love the way that he plays, but the issue with this player is based on how he plays. He will miss games at points of the season due to injury. If the Oilers are a cup contender, uh, Yamamoto's a perfect third-line player, can move up if needed because he's versatile. Uh, another uh, texter kind of echoed that sentiment, saying essentially, you know, is what has Yamamoto done to secure that second-line wing spot? It's what Zach Cassian hasn't done to secure any right-wing spot at this point that I think has me penciling Yamamoto into that second line. I think that's where it starts in camp, and obviously based on the possibility of that you know, pre-existing chemistry that he had with, uh, with Nuge and Dreisaitl, that you have to at least give that a go. And to me, that's the most logical starting place. Another texture here saying that uh, he's the most likely candidate to get traded out of town this year. This is from Tidbet. Uh, he uses that low, that low weight uh, players like himself and Goudreau rendered useless in big boy playoff hockey. Fully expect them to be traded in the near future when Fogel and Holloway bump him out of the top six early in the year. Well, there's a problem with that Tidbit, and that's Fogel and Holloway are both left wingers. So 
that's not going to happen. Holloway is going to start this season in uh, in the minors, and you want him to because of how much success these players have had under Jay Woodcroft. It's a, it's an environment that's allowing for real positive development of your internal options, and we saw what kind of steps that Holloway made from one year to the next at Wisconsin. You want to see what he can do in you know at least a full or three quarters of a full season down at the American League, but that's not an option to me until. March or April. What do you think, Cody? Well, you need forwards to produce who are on good contracts. And if you're making $2 million or less, which ideally Ken Holland gets Yamamoto locked up to, that's going to open up space for you in a perfect world to really maneuver your cap around building a strong roster. So if you can't go far in the playoffs with guys on good deals, what are you doing? And, you know, just to touch on what we were talking about earlier with sort of the lack of overt toughness on the Oilers. They don't have a Tom Wilson. They don't have, you know, Ryan Reeves. All right. Well, those guys are playing in the East. So there's two of your problems solved right now. So how can you be as hard as possible to play against? Well, to me... Your right wing right now, made up of six foot four, Yessa Pugliarvi, who likes to back that big caboose into corners and in front of the net and use his frame. You've got a scrappy Yamamoto as an option who loves to get to the dirty areas. He plays tough no matter who it's against. You've got Cassian who can forecheck the crap out of people when he's on his game. And this is, you know, uh, uh, how many times can we enter a season saying this is sort of make or break for Cassian? But he, he can contribute to a style of game that's hard to play against against in the right role and who plays behind him on the fourth right wing Josh Archibald arguably the toughest oiler to play against right now and it doesn't have to be big crushing open ice open ice hits you know it's being difficult to play against and when I look at how that's assembled I don't necessarily want to go in to a game you know playing against these guys maybe I'm overselling it right now I'm sure there's a bunch of people about to light up the text line saying you're kidding right but Overall team grit, you add Duncan Keith to inflate that a little bit. You know, Darnell Nurse is there again. I think they're trending in a direction where you don't have to necessarily panic that they're completely unsuited for Western Conference playoff hockey. That's my thoughts. Let me know what you think. 780-496-0063. We'll get to some of those after we hear from Steve Smith as Champions Week replay wraps up on Oilers Now. Steve, thanks for taking time to join us on Oilers Now. How you doing? Everything is good, Bob. Everything is good. A little sad we didn't end up in a playoff race here, but, uh, you know, overall, uh, this whole uh, COVID thing, staying home with the family, spend lots of fun, uh, spending time with the gang, for sure. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll get back to the Buffalo Sabres towards the end of the conversation. Uh, As you know, we've been doing uh, sort of our Champions Week and your personal journey with the Oilers and beyond the Oilers is, is incredible to me. And I, I just think of the, the heartbreak, and I know we've spoken about it before, uh, of 86 uh, on your birth date, uh, and then to win in 87. And that look on your face when, uh, and I tweeted it out last week, uh, when Wayne Gretzky hands you the Stanley Cup championship. Is there any way, when you think back now 33 years later, is there any way you can express just what it was like to have the greatest player in the history of the game give you the cup the first? Well, what's pretty amazing about it was at the time I didn't much think about it and I wasn't uh, expecting it, obviously, because usually it's within the hierarchy of the team. And when you look at the hierarchy of that team, there was uh, approximately 19 other players that were better than I in that season. So I wasn't expecting to get it, but uh 
I will tell you what a thrill it was. It was uh, exhilarating. I was immediately looking for my father, who I knew was in the stands. I was excited about the opportunity of uh, even being in the game and being part of that process. What a great uh, team that we had that year. And, uh, you know, for Brett to do that, I know that uh, after the fact that him and Kevin and Mark and some of the guys had had discussions and uh, had decided that that's what they had wanted to do, it just, you know, just shows the quality people that they are more than uh, just uh, great hockey players but great uh, great uh, people and great teammates as well. Is that the thing you think that's sort of underrated about the Oilers of the 80s? I mean even the response after you lost uh, you know in game 7 you had, a, you had a tough break like some guys don't come back from that Steve but the story I'm told is your own teammates were your most supportive guys. And we've seen situations, especially in the last few years, with, with some, some teams, maybe not so much in hockey, where fingers get uh, pointed. And, you know, the fact is you guys lost four games in that series. Calgary played you tough. They were a really good team, too. It was a tough break. But to a man, all the guys I've ever talked to said, hey, we had, like, lots of time left in that game. We had a chance to – we should have never been in that position. Does that say something about your group, do you think? Well, it really it says a lot about the group, and that's why that group won five uh, Stanley Cups. I mean, there's no doubt that it was tight, it was close. Uh, right from day one, I still remember coming in as a very young player and uh, you know, bringing family, whether it was my younger brothers, whether it was my parents, uh, 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 you know, good buddies from growing up. Everybody was included. Everybody was part of what they considered the Oiler family. They brought you under the fold. They brought you into the locker room. They made you part of it. I mean, when you've got... Uh, You've got, you know, we're from a very small town in Ontario, Bob, and, uh, you know, bringing my brothers in there, my best buddies, um, and, you know, Wayne Gretzky uh, calling them over and sit in the stall and spend some time and hang out and Mark Messi, Kevin Lowe, all of those guys uh, just being so personable with them and, uh, and making them part of their other family. I think that's as much as anything what made that team championship, uh, championship caliber team. I mean, let's face it, that was a, a great group of individual, great group of hockey players. And, you know, Wayne Gretzky is obviously the best player of all time, at least in my mind. Uh, but uh, more than that, they're really good people and very inclusive and uh, made people feel feel part of it, no matter how small or uh, big a part they were. Champions Week on Oilers now. Bob Stoffer with you. We're joined by former Oiler Steve Smith. Steve, uh, 87-88, and Paul Coffey gets traded. Did that change, uh, and he was a heck of a defenseman, uh, and I'm just wondering, did that change things for you personally? Did you have to take on greater responsibility uh, given the massive absence that Paul was to that defense moving forward? Well, one of the things that Paul did so well for Gratz especially was he took the puck, he carried it out of the zone, and uh, and we spent a little time in our zone because of the fact that he uh, he literally picked it up and uh, away he went. But he was also a wonderful passer, and uh, and uh, you know it, it's difficult for some of those high end players to uh, to continue to excel unless they get pucks on their tape. They don't. Gratz didn't want to go into the corner and chase it down, and uh, he wasn't uh, into a physical style game. So he wanted it uh, in full flight, and that's one thing that Paul did. And, uh, you know, as a group, we all had to kind of buckle down and become better passers and better players. And it was something that we worked on on a daily basis with uh, with Glenn Sather and John Muckler. It was just a skill set of our team. It was constant passing, constant movement, and the, and the practices were such high.
the pace that we all had to improve, and uh, everybody got better because of it. And, and of course, the additional minutes uh, that uh, you know, Koff uh, ate up a lot of minutes before he uh, was traded, and uh, the additional minutes that we all uh, ended up with uh, made us better as well. You get Boston in 1988 and again in 1990. Did you relish those opportunities to match up against Cam Neely? Well, I look back on it, and I, I just recently did one of the uh, hometown hockey things with, uh, um, with Hockey Night Canada here in my hometown, and we talked a lot about that. And uh, one of the things that uh, I look back and say, you know, they talked about me being matched up with Cam Neely, but everybody was involved. I mean, I watched some games here in the last a while, some of those games, and honestly, I, I, I was shocked looking back at how little we gave them. I mean, I mean, our goaltender played well. Bill Ranford made saves when he had to at 90, and Obviously, uh, uh, Fierzy in 88, but I will tell you, that defense was stifling. We gave them very, very little, and uh, uh, part of it was uh, shutting down the Neely Janney line, and uh, Ray Bork was uh, getting beat on by the forwards, and, you know, that was it was a heck of a hockey team, and it was, you know, we had some stars, but I'll tell you, all the grinders really uh, chipped in and uh, gave the Boston Bruins very little. What was it like sitting in that room when the lights went out in Game 4 in 1988? Well, it was it was weird. It's hard to describe. But I mean, I, if I remember correctly, and I, I know it happened two different times. Obviously, one we didn't start back up again. The other one we did. But uh, you know, there was you know we're, we're not sure what to do. Well, you know, are you are you hungry? Are you ready to go back out on the ice again? Somebody uh, you know grabbed a, a, a half a slab of pizza, and everybody had a little piece of that, and you know you just weren't sure what to do. And uh, you know, and then we went. And, and we did the, uh, the triple overtime game, and there was a foggy half the night, and there was a lot of weird stuff going on in that Boston series. But you know, those are those are great memories, and those are those are really incredible times, and uh, you cherish those times. Because I got to tell you, now that I'm out of the game, one of the things that I miss most about the game is that that whole personal camaraderie of spending time before the game and during the game, between periods. And I mean, that's the fun part for us as players. We all go out and we spend 20 minutes where we live. In die by every second of a shift, but then we get to sit in kibitz and, uh, and uh, encourage each other between periods, and those were the fun parts for sure. We're joined by Steve Smith uh, on our champion series. Uh, Steve was part of the 87, 88, and 1990 Oiler Championships. You referenced the triple overtime game in 1990. Eight goals against Steve and five games against Boston. It's funny. I look at that 88 team. You didn't have Paul Coffey. You go 16-2 and two in the playoffs, and you sweep the number one team in the league. And Boston was the number four team that late, that year. You guys finished third, and Boston beat Montreal, and they'd finished second. So you you swept the two best teams that were left that you could have played in '88. You go 16 and two, and I think that might have, you know, that playoff team was as good as any. But then you look at 1990, and you you went seven and one in your final eight games. And you didn't give up anything against Boston. Eight goals against in five games. I guess it doesn't just speak to Bill Ranford, but as you mentioned earlier, you guys just, you, you, by that point, you had a different type of team that could lock teams down, didn't you? Well, we locked team down, teams down right from the very beginning, and and, and I got to tell you, I got I got a few text messages from some of the guys in recent times. Greg Simpson being one that texted me uh, last week and just talking about uh, about that team is pretty amazing. When I looked back and thought there was just no chances, they just didn't get any chances. And of course, you know, Mark's flying, and Lenny Anderson's flying, Greg scoring goals. I mean, we've got guys that are playing at a different level than most of the other uh, 
most of the other guys in, in the locker room, but everybody was making a uh, contribution. You know, we've got uh, the kid line going, we've got Jalen and Murphy and Denim Graves going, we've got, you know, the grinders that have been chipping in. But we had this big, strong defense that just gave up nothing. Kevin Lowe was just such a, such a cerebral, smart player, gave up nothing. You know, playing with Craig Manning was, was pretty incredible. You know, I, I was uh, back and forth between Randy Gregg and, uh, and uh, Robert Savannah, and uh, you've got Book in another lineup, you've got guys that are coming in and out of the lineup that were, you know, Charlie Huddy, obviously one of the steadiest players in order. History was was there, and you know it was it was a pretty pretty tightly run ship, believe it or not. I mean, we opened it up during the season when we had to, but during those playoffs, I look back now and and, and quite frankly, we're shocked to watch it. I didn't think we were that tight, but it was really, uh, you know, as a coach now, I'm looking at it going, wow, we got to uh, we got to find out that uh, way if we're going to have uh, uh, success in the future in Buffalo. Steve, uh, you mentioned Buffalo. Uh, you know, you coached obviously with the uh, Oilers organization as well, and Carolina. Um, I gotta, th- I gotta think, given the the own personal experience you have, and your own your own teammates from that area, uh, that era, marvel at, at what you went on to accomplish. I mean, you're basically a, an all star caliber defenseman. Not everybody gets over something like that. Is that part of the the learning that maybe you can help out with some young defensemen? Because today's players completely different than guys 30 years ago or are they completely different you know, I'm not certain that they're completely different. I think it's a lot of similarities, to tell you the truth. I think that I look back on the relationships that I had with coaches and the guys that I listened to and, and learned most from, and it was, it was clearly all about relationships. And I think that that's what uh, I think good coaching does moving forward. And, and even in today's game, I mean, my most of my time right now, Bob, is spent trying to, trying to create relationships with players, you know, trying to, trying to hope that uh, when they have babies 10 years after, they're still texting me and saying hello when I had a baby and uh, my, my life has changed and uh, um, you know I, I still remember Justin Schultz being in, uh, in, in Edmonton and then moving on to Pittsburgh and after one saying the coach sending me a text and, uh, and saying thanks for what you did. I mean those are the things that are important to coaching and coaching and it's all about relationships and I think it was better the same way back then. You know we uh, we all had our days, we all had our moments and our times and there was more, you know, more head games sort of thing that happened back then but I think the players you know they they they, uh, they want you to set expectations for them. They want you to keep them accountable to those expectations, and uh, and they and they want to know that you care. And that's the important part now is uh, is uh, is creating those relationships. I don't think that's changed a whole lot. Uh, we'll leave you with this, Steve. Uh, yesterday, um, Jack Eichel spoke to the media, and he talked about the leadership of Ralph Kruger. And if that doesn't reinforce the respect a player has for a coach when he refers to his coach as a leader, and I'm probably going to guess this surprises you the least of anybody out there on the planet, uh, given your history with Ralph dating back to your time at Edmonton, that his, uh, you know, that his best player would, would think of him in that fashion. Well, you uh, you know this firsthand, Bob, because we've had this conversation many, many times, and Ralph's one of my favorite people in the game, and uh, he's good to the people around him. He, he has high expectations for himself. He has high expectations for the people around him. But what he does so well is he communicates. 
he lets you know what those expectations are. He tries to keep you accountable to those expectations. And, and more importantly, you feel like he cares every time he makes a statement. And, and he's not overbearing. He's all about quality and, and, and set, of, uh, set of quantity. Um, he, uh, he has those players in a position that they know what's expected of them. They know um, what the, it's, he's pretty clear on what the systems are. And the other side of it is, is that he's, he's, he has a confidence about him that he puts on those players and they feel confident going on to the ice like he truly cares and that he wants them to do well and, and quite frankly he does and that's why he's had the success that he's had. Legendary Oilers defenseman Steve Smith to wrap up Champions Week replay here on Oilers Now. Typically in this time slot, we would be hearing from Kevin Weeks for our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in solar electrical installation and service. Electrical prefabrication and solar. But alas... Kevin, like most of the hockey world right now, taking a well-earned vacation, as is the regular host of this show. He'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. We'll be back in a couple of minutes' time with you on the Ashley Fine Flores text line, 780-496-0063. Oh, yes, oh, yes, there's an old saying in the car business. Cars cost less in Wetaskiwin. Brent Ridge Fort in Wetaskiwin is committed to providing unequaled automotive excellence, resulting in completely satisfied lifetime customers. Customers. If you currently have a vehicle you're not using enough, you've got payments or an interest rate that's too high, you're looking to sell it, refinance it, or maybe trade it in for something different, go visit Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford or call them at 1-877-477-3673 or visit BrentRidge.com. A little bit of input here on the Ashley Fine Flores text line talking earlier about where things are going to shake down on the right wing for the Oilers this year as restricted free agent Kyler Yamamoto is sort of the last piece of business to be sewn up this offseason now with today's signing of Slater Cuckoo. He got a two-year deal if you missed the top of the show, $950,000 per season for the 27-year-old defenseman was with the Oilers last year, uh, basically earned a roster spot or a, or a starting spot on that team on the third line left pair last year and then was absolutely tattooed by Sam Bennett at center ice that broke his collarbone left him on the sidelines for all but the final couple games of the season and then uh, into the playoff action so they get uh, a player that I really believe is is a contributor as I said earlier to a, to a winning kind of culture he doesn't seem like you know he just I get the sense he kind of goes with the flow and you know that he can be trusted on the ice and that's sort of what they were looking to um shore up if you will and Chris Russell William Lagason at their stages of their career right now I think that you might have a little more trust in somebody like Slater Cuckoo particularly to roll them out alongside Evan Bouchard who you want to see playing night in and night out this year uh where are we going here under the text line. Okay, so Scouter Mike says that uh, size does matter. Kyler Yamamoto was very ineffective in the regular season and especially in playoffs. He can't compete against playoff-built contenders as proven versus Winnipeg, better suited as a third-liner. 
as he matures in his career, as he as he finds out where to go on the ice, as he finds out, you know, how to adapt to those who have now adapted to him, I think that he will bounce back this year. I think that he's the type of player who, despite only being what five foot eight, he plays a lot bigger than that. And I think that there's a lot of people out there who are too quick right now to forget exactly how productive he was and and doing that sort of thing, playing that grind you down style of game when he first came up and was participating on that second line and was a point per game player. I don't know that we're going to expect that moving forward and certainly not over the course of an 82 game season, but is it unrealistic at some point in the very near future to expect 45 or 50 points out of Kyler Yamamoto? I don't think so. As long as he's getting that kind of consistent ice time, he goes and retrieves pucks. And for those saying that they signed Zach Hyman and Warren Fogle for the flexibility of playing them on the right side, I disagree with that notion entirely. Entirely. Warren Fogle should be penciled in right now as your third-line left winger and Zach Hyman your first-line left winger. Hyman is here to complement the upper echelon stars on the left wing, period. End of story. 129 in Edmonton, shifting gears on the other side of this global news weather traffic update. We'll check in with Sarah Nurse from the Canadian Women's National Team ahead of the uh, World Women's Championships as well as the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association. Should be a good one coming up. Brendan Escott, Cody Jansen with you today on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.